You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. Tonight we're looking at... Oh, Season 2, Episode 10 of Star Hunter Redux, the episode entitled Skin Deep. It's an episode with two stories. Let's start with Lena's tale. Back before Callie was in the military, she went to university, and there she knew a woman she wasn't friends with, named Lena. Now, they've reconnected, just in time for Lena to be chased by bounty hunters. She's given refuge aboard the Transutopian, where Travis likes the cut of her jib. And she's admiring his jib, too. They're a pair of jibbers. She's wanted for murder on Mars, so Travis takes her there with an agreement with Quinn, the bounty hunter assigned to her case. On the trip, her story slowly sounds less and less plausible. The murdered man she's never heard of turns out to have been covered in her DNA. Witnesses saw them together. The police have produced video of the two having dinner and conversation. And as the story gets more and more shaky, everyone begins to doubt her. Even Travis, despite his infallible instincts to tell him she's not guilty. When they get to Mars, an info dump ensues about the status of plastic surgery, which Lena has secretly had in Martian society, and we finally learn the truth. Martians hate plastic people. Lena's magazines out plastic people, ruining them. Lena is a plastic person. Lena's mom was having an affair with a murder victim. He was going to out Lena, which would not only ruin Lena, but also mom's magazine business. Lena's mom murdered him, and then in a plot device that no doubt would have stumped Lieutenant Colombo because it was too stupid for words, Lena smeared her own DNA evidence over the body to protect her mother. Somehow, they come clean and it's all's well that ends well and the reputation of Travis's uncanny instincts remains untarnished. Except she really was guilty of being an accessory to murder, so she was not innocent and Travis was wrong. Percy's tale. Marcus and Percy are in Sin City, trying to meet a shady black market dealer to get a gizmo so they can have hyperspace capabilities. Percy has misgivings about hyperspace, but that doesn't matter because the deal goes badly anyway. Stuck on Sin City together for days, Percy suggests they get a hotel room with one bed. Then she plies Marcus with alcohol, talks about watching porn movies in their room, and finally suggests taking a shower. That turns awkward when Marcus joins her in the shower. Oops! (laughs) Mixed signals being sent there. They fight about this, and it turns into a pillow fight. And more talking. And another pillow fight. And that's it. The end. All right. So, skin deep. Skin deep. Mm -hmm. Does this rate on the scale of episodes with you? (laughs) Or the pantheon of... Star Hunter Redux episodes. It's somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. I, I, I gotta say, it was... Uh, <laughs> it, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. It's not early season one uh, quality, but um, it's not top quality either. I, I just... I, I, I spent a, 
I spent a fair amount of time trying to think through this episode. And I don't mean trying to figure out what was going on because that was sort of obvious. Um, what really struck me as wrong about this episode is the fact that the audience knows nothing at all about anything of any value for you to know until 95% through the episode when suddenly the whole thing about Martians don't like plastics and, 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 and so what it really is, is it's just them talking throughout the whole episode. There's no drama. There's no, there's no uh, rising sense of intrigue or, or mystery about what's going on here. It's just, is she lying? Is she lying? She's lying. Yeah, she's lying. Clearly she's lying, but uh, Travis wants to jump her bones and that, yeah, and then yeah, and then it's like, and then, but th there's nothing to engage you. And then just suddenly they just give this whole info dump about we frown on plastic surgery uh, and, and we have magazines that out people because they've had plastic surgery. And it, it, it just narratively, there's nothing for us to care about or for us to have any kind of understanding of what's going on and then when you get to that why does it make any difference it doesn't really you know it just it just kind of it's kind of there it's taking up time which is exactly what the percy storyline does too but but I, there was just nothing to get my teeth into on this well there is one thing but it's a throwaway line and it drives me nuts that the most interesting thing in the episode yes. was a line when they colonized Mars, they destroyed the ancient ah, Martian yes. ruins. Yes, I picked up what? On that. Oh, I took that as a little joking reference to Ray Bradbury. Oh, it's uh, okay. It's a joking reference to Ray Bradbury, but because it's not told as a joke and it's ah. not told, it, it, it implies that it's real. Actually, I did go back and watch a couple of scenes again. For a particular, um, how shall I rephrase this? I, I I watched this line again. I watched that scene again, and I and I watched and I rewatched the scene that came a little bit later, where Travis was speaking to R Rudolfo, and Ru and Travis spoke sarcastically, mm -hmm. and even Rudolfo asked if that was sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And I went, and so I was trying to pay attention to the manner in which Travis spoke each time. Uh -huh. and maybe the man just has a dry wit. That is not how Lena responds to it, though. She no. responds to it as if it's a real thing yeah. that she knew about and comments on him being the antiquarian. Um, it, it, I, I don't, f yeah, I'm not buying it. Um, or, or of course, so, this, or, is a, this is a show that is so unsubtle that when Travis is sarcastic, we have to have a character tell us. Right. That he is being sarcastic, which... Exactly. I guess the alternative is that uh, so maybe some uh, maybe some of the characters in this episode had listened to too many archived, ep ep too many archived episodes of Art Bell. It's, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think what we're supposed to... I think it's a, it truly is meant to be a throwaway line. And... Whoever who did write this is it one of the main? It's not one of the mains, is it? I can tell you right now, the writer is not one of the mains. No, Jeffrey Hirschfield. Yeah, it just feels to me like he's decided to throw that in there for for character to talk about how how 
I don't know, thoughtful Travis is and not taking into account that this is really sort of a no aliens solar system, except for the, the divinity cluster folk. I mean, this would be a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And, and it feels like, well, let's see. Let's like look up Mr. Hirschfield here. Uh, I, he, um, director, actor, producer, additional crew and writer. It says here, a, he wrote for um, Star Hunter, something called Singles Court. He wrote the Flower Child episode of The Outer Limits, wrote, wrote 61 episodes of Lex. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many episodes did you just say? 61. I, wow. I mean, oh. <laughs> I find it difficult to believe Lex made it past the first episode. So <laughs> I, I can truly say I, I think I think of Lex. Um, I, I found that show repugnant. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I, don't, it, I don't think it, I made it through the first episode. Of all right. I know it was uh, like a movie. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. And this, yeah, I've, I never got into it myself. And this is his only Star Hunt. Yeah, that's just he didn't read the, the writer's guide, yeah. writer's Bible and... and get with the program here i think but anyway okay um so my my i'll come back to my uh criticism that they they don't give us right they they failed to give us any clues really to this so we're not figuring it out we're just being told right right none of us discover really none of our crew really discover any much in the way of clues it's fed to us by the martian police with the exception of hey she wrote some magazine articles which mentioned this guy and and of all those that's the one that i could believe is true because you know there is there was a line earlier in the episode where she basically doesn't necessarily understand or know what they write about in her magazines that's not necessarily the publisher's job no right you know oh did we publish a recipe for vegetarian lasagna i didn't know that but sure, why not? I guess yeah. we did. So, yes. so that one is the only plausible one of the ones where they're they're going along. But what this is is basically Chekhov's invisible gun. There's there is no yeah. <laughs> foreshadowing. There is no nothing. They just tell us what's happening, uh, you know. And it it maybe ratchets up the distrust a little bit each time. But it just and then they throw in what have to be the truly most pointless space battles that have been in this show to date for for why because i think nothing happened because i think they were looking at it so we got to punch up some space battles man they're just they're just talking they're just talking for the whole hour shoot some yeah. people and so they put in this thing but i mean are there no can you just shoot another ship in this uh in this universe and not have any judicial sanctions of any kind? I was wondering about that. I wondered if the Mars authorities would have something to say about that. You'd, you'd think uh, blowing yeah. up ships in orbit around their planet or, or you yeah. know, taking potshots at them. It just... And what was Quinn going to do? Try to destroy the Transutopian? How the heck was he going to get the, his bounty, bounty that way? That made no sense. It just exactly. was an excuse to shoot back and forth. Yes, and and if I were, and speaking of Quinn, um, if I were Travis, I'd take the bounty. Yeah, after he shot at you. Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. But yeah. or or even split it. 
you know, pull up, pull a Simon Templar on it and say, look, I'm returning your money, but you're paying for, you're paying for the damage to my ship and I'm taking some, I'm taking a commission off of it and did it, did it, did it. But yeah, it just, yeah, I, I, I sympathize with Rodolfo, Rodolfo, Rodolfo in this one. He, he's, you know, they do have to make some money and, uh, this is a rich woman. Yes. They should actually be asking her for at least rent or something. They should. Passage. But, um, but, oh, no, Travis likes the cut of her jib. And so she's a friend. So we'll do it. It's like, I didn't even, I couldn't even understand the dynamic between her and Callie. How, How did two people who apparently hated each other end up in a bar having a great time 10 years later? I mean, if I bumped into somebody I hated in, at university, I would not go, hey, let's get a drink and chat about old times where we hated each other. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, I wouldn't. I agree. I'm with you there. And why, did they, and, and why did they do that? Why didn't they just make them friends from university and then it would have been fine? And that would have made sense. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen you in years. Yeah. Yeah. It 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 just didn't. Yeah, it just oh, didn't there is something else that. here I did not understand. Okay, lo- the <laughs> the the, the character. One, yeah. uh, there's a point of the the character's reasoning. Okay, where um, everybody on the ship except Lena and Travis seems to think that just because Lena published a Holozine that. But that, that that included three articles that criticized the doctor. Did did they even say they criticized the doctor? Uh, uh, called called him out anyway. You know, for for being a plastic surgeon. This is a publication that they, they, that, that called out plastics. So yeah, and okay. so so and so, the, so simply because they, the the reasoning of everybody except Lena and Travis here was that just because she published a Holocene that in apparently in different issue different issues had called him out that she was supposed to have known him right i, I say that earlier i mean just cuz it was in an article in her magazine yeah, yeah, does I not mean, does not mean yeah, yeah. anything and i'm all right let's let, let's i'll give you the one that makes no sense to me of the okay. things that make no sense to me what's that so imagine if you will your mother owns a mega publishing corporation, okay? All right. And you are, let's call it managing, you know, and you're, you're running the day-to-day operations maybe or the, the publishing end of it. But, but mom is the big boss and you are basically the number two boss. And your magazine takes a very harsh and hostile attitude towards plastics. And yet, daughter has plastics. Not sure whether mom had had plastics or not. I, I, she's clearly, she was having an affair with a doctor, but I don't know whether or not she had had plastics. And it doesn't really matter because that was sort of, but mom, the doctor is for some reason, not sure why, but it sounds like the doctor has become a security risk and he may reveal that Lena is a plastic person. And so mom, because if he outs the daughter, this is going to cause, ruin the daughter and probably ruin the magazines as well. Because talk about hypocrites. Yes. So mom murders him instead. Now, I could be wrong, 
because the the world has gone wacky since we started doing Star Hunter Redux. But I'm thinking if the owner of the magazine was a murderer who killed a plastic surgeon, that's going to ruin the magazine too. Yes. Because they're going to find out why, and they're going to find out, and so the daughter's going to get, get outed anyway. And so the whole thing comes crumbling down. So... I get why Lena goes, oh, we can't have that happen because if mom, so if I'd gotten outed, it would ruin the magazine. But if mom gets outed for having murdered him, it's going to ruin the magazine. What's my best course of action? Oh, I know. Implicate myself. Yeah. Um, have you ever heard of stupid <laughs> criminals? Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like I say, Columbo could never solve this case because it's too stupid. He would just never be able to work out the motive. It's like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and so she had to think, she had to think that at some point she was going to be arrested. Right. And taken to Mars for trial. <laughs> and, and this stuff would eventually had to come out anyway. And it seems like mom is not being implicated because her DNA was found all over it. So my question is, if she hadn't put her DNA on there, would, would they have any reason to have caught either one of them in this um, murder? Probably not. <laughs> so she she basically just transferred the murder to herself with basically the same ultimate result. Uh, result. It, it is it is certainly a bold and daring move <laughs> on her part. <laughs> well, on the other hand, I have read stories of actual stupid criminals and they didn't seem like well-reasoned people themselves my favorite one was the story of a man who was on trial for stealing a suit and he wore the suit to court well i don't i'm not gonna i'm not gonna disagree there because you see those stories all the time and right there there are a variety of reasons why people turn to crime um and one of them is that they're too dumb to realize they're not going to get away with it uh and but there are other reasons i'm I'm not i'm not painting all criminals that way but you know they make for very unsatisfying villains in stories because stories are not real life and you know we've yet to see you know detective so-and-so catches stupid criminals as the weekly show You'd think it would be kind of good, but at the same time, it just it's never caught on, and you'd think it'd be an amusing show. But the other thing that we don't get at is that, you know, we love the fact that the cop and the detective are super brilliant, and they work out the case. Yes. But that's not the way police are either. I mean, no, you can't get in if your IQ's too high. They screen them out from the top end because they'll be too bored, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and then quit, and then they'll have wasted all their training. So, I mean, it, it is, it's a uh, police work in real life don't make for particularly compelling television necessarily. No, and, no they don't. You know. and I, I've and, heard this from police and it's like they watch, co- I, well, I've often wondered what police officers think about cop shows. <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. I, yeah. And it's apparently, it's, it's uh, I've heard back that, uh, uh, apparently, the show that came closest to getting it right was Barney Miller. <laughs> I, 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 I would. Uh, I have some experience working with law enforcement officers, uh, and uh, 
they were all working in a special unit that that was what well, doesn't really matter but they were from all sorts of walks of police life you know from other cities they police officers get to retire pretty early and then they go off and get other jobs and so these were kind of double double dipping kind of guys and you know i i watched them work around the office and yeah barney miller sounds about right but then you listen to him like if you go out and have lunch with one of the ones that was a homicide detective or something it's a yes crooks are stupid and Mm -hmm. it's it's not brilliant it's not brilliance that catches them you know it, it is just sort of a dogged attention to a certain amount of detail and and paperwork but it's still yeah but nonetheless this doesn't even rise to that level i mean this is this is this is somebody who has tried to create a a, a i don't know it just it, <laughs> like, and there's one other thing yes which i that? might as well i've talked about it before i'm gonna talk about it again so what did the martian police sent the video of them having dinner to the Transutopian. I'm kind of wondering about the ethics of that. You know, police sharing uh, sharing evidence like that. But all right, let's just say that that's okay in in Martian legal precedent. But having done that, once again, supercomputer Caravaggio, with the wrong voice today, I might add, uh, supercomputer Caravaggio is the one that can figure out what they were saying. Really? A, what, a hundred-year-old cruise liner? AI? Didn't, couldn't the Martian police, wouldn't they have... Technology? Yeah. It's like this is every time that they've pulled up, oh, I've got to get them to medical facility, but don't worry, Caravaggio will work out a cure, or uh, I've been able to hack that, or I've been able to... It's like, why is Caravaggio able to do this, and it, he's, just a, he's just an AI? And why is his voice wrong? That's the older version of someone. Well, I know what it is, but why is this one using the older version's voice, but the new version's face? Yeah, it's a good little little problem with editing, apparently. I mean, they, since we see his face reading the lines, they must have had him in. It's not like they forgot this episode. Right. Just, it, just weird. And it, it, it's very jarring. Yeah. Especially when he's off camera, right? When and you just hear the voice, and you're like, "Is there somebody else on the? Sh- oh, it's the yeah, it's the computer again." Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm about to um, say there's probably a reason that Mr. Hirschfield wrote only one episode of this. It, it could be. I, I yeah, I don't wonder enough to check, but I'm curious as to how this show commissioned uh, stories. I'm guessing it's not a writer's room. It's probably. They've got some contract out uh, writers, which is more common going right. further back. Yeah, there was there, there was a listed head writer, but mm-hmm. and, and I'm of course familiar with the concept of the rewrite without without jumping the credit. Yeah, there's up to a point. There's that. Yeah, and so I do one. So, so I also so I know that when I read the credits and I say written by John Doe, I don't know if. John Doe actually wrote that. Well, if uh, if the day comes when you decide to do all the research and uh, and use your contacts with people over at Star Hunter yeah, and, and yeah. get the information, maybe you can put together the definitive book. Yeah. And and uh, so I've got one that's for Wild Wild West, which is one of the greatest shows ever made. Oh yes. And it's a terrible, terrible book, but I bought it anyway. 
because it's just poorly researched and and I'm not saying you would do poor research. That's I not my point. But my point is, is that it doesn't take much uh, to <laughs> sometimes. Of course, maybe blogs have ended that, but still. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Percy and Marcus. Yes, there were some nice little character beats, um, which I enjoyed because um, I thought they were kind of cool. Hmm. Marcus dreams about monkey wrenches, and he likes to watch the Ballroom Dancing Channel. He's a disturbed young man. Yes, he is. He is a disturbed young man. I'll, I'll get to the main crux here in a minute. Let's let's take a look at Percy. Are we supposed to believe that we've had a revelation, or is she lying? Because her symptoms are agoraphobia. Agoraphobia, I think that's right. Um... Open not, not. I don't like being around all these people who might do something. Okay, because if you go inside the bar, it's like that too, right? Just it's, it's not open. So, still sounds to me like just can't be in the out, which I can kind of understand. But at the same time, first time we've really seen that, in Percy. Right. Well, usually she's been on the ship. Right, raised on the ship, she's been on the um, ship. I, I can get how it might happen that way. But but let's think about this for, for for however long. Let's go back a few episodes to the third thing. The third thing is the TV show episode where they set them up. Yeah, okay. All right, good. Uh, how was she doing? I'm amazed the, I remember that. All right. How was she doing in the open then? Was she in the open? See, now... This is a this is something I almost mentioned in a previous episode when they were in Sin City, and I don't think I did mention it because I probably felt like I'd ragged on the episode enough as it was. But the the floors were wet, yeah, like it was raining. But Sin City is so obviously indoors because it's a set, and they never get a shot where you can see that there's anything but a roof above them. I mean, they don't show the roof, but it's so obviously indoors. Yes. So when they were there and talking about, oh, well, I, you know, I want to go inside instead of being outside. I'm like, wait, you're outside now? Okay. Um, this, they're just, they're not doing a good job of conveying it. And now I don't know what, you know, where were they on the third thing? Were they inside? Were they outside? We'll never be able to tell. Well, oh, well, op- open spaces, which is the ship was, has corridors and smaller rooms and the like. And it's a good question. And I just thought about that, going back to the third thing and thinking, well, she was walking around in. Yeah, where was that? In a city. Let me check on this. Jupiter. Let me look this up. I have, Let me check that here. Be funny if it's Sin City. The third thing is. Let me look up my summary of the third thing. Um, actually, I don't recall, and I didn't write it down. Io City. Yeah, by yeah, it's it's, it's Io City. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so it's not Sin City. Okay, so there's no factual contradiction there. But is is um, Io City all that different from Sin City Sin in terms City. of in terms in terms of the openness of its indoor spaces exactly who knows 
I don't know. Or did so, Percy develop disagoraphobia between episodes? Yeah. Um, and I, I, I point that out. Um, I'm not sure. You know, I get her sitting there and patting her leg and whatnot, although I can't figure out why Marcus was doing it at the end. But anyway, it's, um, yeah, it's just another facet of Percy's weird personality. Yeah, I wrote down a little bit of dialogue verbatim. Okay. It's from toward the end in the room, one with the Noah's Ark of booze. Mm-hmm. By the way, is spinach beer a real thing? I looked it up. I couldn't get a, a definitive answer. I'm going to say, um, as a complete uh, abstainer from beer of all forms, sure, why not? Okay. It, it, it sounds no grosser than any other kind I've encountered, so... I really don't have much experience with it. I'm the world's driest Episcopalian, so which way I know. <laughs> um, no, well, I, come from, I belong to a, a denomination, a, a joke about which is wherever three or four Episcopalians are gathered together, there's always a fifth. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I go, I, I go to the wine cheese parties and drink Sprite. Uh, but anyhow, I did write down this bit of dialogue. Marcus says, Percy, you will never be normal. And Percy replies, thanks. Yeah, I'm going to, I'd have to go back and watch that again to decide which thanks that was. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, if somebody said, you'll never be normal to me, I'd go, cool, thanks. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a cool thanks, but, uh. She didn't seem offended. Thanks a, thanks a lot. (laughs) It was was not the offended, sarcastic thanks. So, yeah. Um. And, of course, Marcus is not normal. He dreams about specific models of monkey wrenches. Well, I mean, if you're going to if you're gonna uh, have a dream, uh, just as long as it's not a sex dream, that's, right. the, that's the worrisome part. I mean, if it's just yeah. getting, getting down with some tools, it's, yeah. Yeah, I got it. So there's, um, there's a bit about them wanting to get hyperspace. Yes. But that's building up right toward the end of... That will pay off at the end of the season. Yes. I, I was going to say that hyperspace didn't appear to be much of a thing in the first season. But then we're, you know, 10 years down the road, maybe hyperspace has become more common. But, you know, it's it's only been one or two episodes when antimatter drives were the big deal. Right. About getting up to speed. And so suddenly now hyperspace, which was a divinity cluster induced anomaly in the first series is apparently something that you can generate and use in this series. And Percy is not particularly keen on this. And she is she's saying that she didn't just spend her time on the bridge when she was in hyperspace. <laughs> I, I don't like this. I, I don't like this vagueness of something that is potentially very important. How long was she in there to her? Well, that's a good question from her. From it her, di- from, it from, did from, not from seem her point like she view, was in there for long. Well, from her point of view, perhaps not. Um, and she said that bad things happened. She didn't say what they were. Right. And didn't she, didn't she, wasn't she wearing the same clothes when she yes. came out the other end? Yes. So, I mean, it's not like she was there for a long time and had a chance to go change her clothes in it and take a shower in the 
in her quarters if she had been on the ship. So it just, I, I don't know. But, but my thought is, and you've kind of almost confirmed it now, but my thought is hyperspace is the only way you're ever going to find Dante. Yep. That, that's, you know, if, if, if you're looking for Dante, the answer lies in hyperspace because that's where you lost him. And it, it, it just, so maybe she just doesn't want to find him. I mean, I wouldn't, but then, you know, that doesn't seem to be the hallmark of the Montana family. They seem to be in their perpetual quest mode <laughs> for somebody or other that's lost. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I get that. That's a writing. That's a writing question. That's a good point that, um, of course, I also bring the, to this discussion, a, something I'll be very careful to speak of because I want to avoid spoilers. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, it, it's, it's no spoiler to say that the titles of the last two episodes of the season are Hyperspace 1 and Hyperspace 2. Yeah, I did know that. And the, and of course, Travis, uh, me, Dante is lost in hyperspace. And I know very sort well. Of. Yeah, sort of. I mean, and I know very well, um, what happens in the scenes filmed for the Redux version of Hyperspace 2. And so how those play together, how those play against this episode, it's a bit interesting. Mm. Yeah, I, I I knew that they had not brought Dante back for the original series. So and they brought him back for Redux. So we're, we're, we're barreling towards a, <clears throat> some sort of a change. And... Almost, a, almost some sort of an arc, uh, yeah, which didn't exist when they made the show. Um, okay, so let's let's just go over these again. All right, let's get a hotel room. Yeah, get a hotel room with one bed. Yes, I'm sure there are First, two. There are two. I'm sure there are two bedrooms. There are two bed hotel room, bed, somewhere, bedrooms yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, first thing out the door, let's have beers. Hey, we've got the porn channel, and. Uh, don't, don't most hotels? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't know if that's true anymore or not. Used to be. Nowadays, you just plug your own iPad into the TV right. port and go. But well, yeah. And then you can watch your own porn, so it's okay. But uh, you don't have to pay for it. <laughs> right. And and then, you know, hey, we can take a shower. And then walk off with the shower. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to ask the question of you. I'm going to ask the question of our audience because this show was written several years ago and this is not, this is not today. Is Marcus wrong? She was sending out signals that one would reasonably interpret the way he did. That is clearly what the writer intended. And, and he absolutely, and he absolutely said that. I mean, it's not just, it's not just, you know, we all watch it and go, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, she's definitely sending the signals. I mean, Marcus did the same thing we just did and and cataloged them and said, look, you, you did this and you did this and this and this and this. But if you wrote that today, would Marcus be right in enacting upon that? Hmm. It could be. Because a little... it's you're still you're still taking a non direct confirmed consenting position there 
I mean, it, it is, it, you know, we, we can't make this into a real situation because this is a written situation that the writer has contrived and they've done everything they can to throw. I mean, the one thing we don't know is did they actually watch porn movies? Or did she just mention watching porn movies? I assume because, she just mentioned it because she asked, is it that what people do in hotel rooms? Yeah. But then, you know, later on, their time passes. So who knows what's gone on exactly. in the hotel rooms? Well, to, well, it is curious. I mean, because um, I was thinking about an episode of a rather short-lived series called Crusade. Mm. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever watched Crusade. I I have. Yeah, remember, My my Little Pachmara? Mm-hmm. It's been very long since I've watched Crusade, I have to say. But oh, was... that, that's the Pacmara <laughs> porn, yes. And yeah, I remember. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... I mean, I'm going to... I'll come down on it and say, no, Marcus shouldn't have done what he did. Marcus, Marcus should have asked. Yes, he should have asked, but... He sh- um, all, he had to yeah. do is, all he had to do is say, shall I join you? Yeah. Is it? And, yeah. and you know... No is no and be done with it and and go on. But it just, we don't see the scene. We don't know what he did. No. I We assume that he just took his clothes off and walked into the shower and got kicked out. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's, I'm with you, but it's, a, and, and, but I'd also point to your other question, which was writing this in 2003, which is when people filmed this episode. Um, versus writing it in 2021, which is when we're having this conversation. Right, right. And, you know, it's, and it's, it, we could argue, I, I think it's, this is one of those arguments that, that would be from a contemporary standard of 2003, it may still not have been the right thing for him to do, but it may have been the expected thing in, in 2003. But it, it just, yeah. I, I it it the whole thing made me cringe watching it now, which is good. It's good that it made me cringe because we're observing a behavior that's wrong, wrong. Uh, we're not doing it, so it's them wrong. But I mean, you, time has changed, and and people are moving away from that, and that's good. Um, it's like watching an old. Oh, you know, those old Charlie Chan films could be great, but... Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's some really good mysteries. Yeah. But, but how... there's some really... Oh. Yes. <laughs> On the other hand, I will stand up and speak in defense of the talents of Wing Chiang. Any day. <laughs> it's a good story. It has some very problematic... It's a uh, good story. With, it's a good story. It's a very good character. Some very good acting. Some wonderful scenes, and um, some yellow skin acting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, not much different from reading an old Fu Manchu uh, novel. They're they're definitely painted as the yellow terror, and it's exactly. It's very of its time. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about to me, Talents of Wen Chiang, is you know this is something. Sh- written in the 1970s which is a different time to now but it is trying to recreate the 1890s i'm guessing late victorian era yeah late, yeah so is it is it worse because they're making it in the 1890s and so they're playing up how bad it was or 
you know, is that the uh, is that the the prejudices of the day still showing through? I don't know. That's a tangent. This yeah. is a tangent. Yes, this is- <laughs> it's actually very nice. Right, that tangent's more interesting than this episode in some ways. Yeah. Um, yes, and I, with that, um, I have to say that my opinion of the episode has lowered uh, during the, the course of the discussion. <laughs> Uh, it does happen sometimes. I, I do have a little fact to contribute. Yeah. The uh, gizmo they are looking for was an antimatter stabilizer coil. Yeah, I did write it down. I just <laughs> put it in the synopsis. It was, it was like, does it really matter? I mean, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's a gizmo. We'll just call it a gizmo. It's a, it's a glowy thing with yellow light coming out of it. Right. Uh, and, uh, and why do they have to get one on the black market? Yeah. Contrivance, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, all right. What's our next? Uh, I know it's, oh, I know what it is. It's Supermax 2 Redux or something. It's, okay. Keep in mind that in Star Hunter Redux, there is Redux at the end of every name of, of, of each episode. So, technically, this is Supermax Redux Redux. <laughs> we'll just call it Supermax Redux. But, uh, yes, it, right. is, it is a sequel to Supermax. And if you said, name one story in series one that needed a sequel. Actually, you know something? I just edited Supermax, I think, the other day. Yeah. And um, listening to it, I think it was, like, my favorite. Yeah, as I recall, <laughs> you, as I recall you seem to like it, yes. I think, I think it was, yeah, it was like, uh, it was probably my favorite of the, of the first series in its entirety because of its tone. Uh, sometimes inappropriate, but uh, but yeah, I think so. So who knows? Maybe this one will be. Maybe this one will buck the trend again. I don't. All know. right. Uh, well, I'll just um, go ahead and mention this. Season two of Star Hunter Redux, which was originally called Star Hunter Twenty Three Hundred, feels to me like two half seasons because when we get to episode twelve. It takes it takes a turn, you know mm-hmm. how you know you know, you know how in um, say the Matt Smith era of Doctor Who, um, there were some seasons that were it felt like a coherent season, and then there were some that were two half seasons. Right. Uh, season two of Star Hunter Redux, originally the, the only season of Star Hunter twenty three hundred, is two half seasons. Okay. Each one has its own character. There wasn't any obvious jump in the dates. So it's not like a modern show where they take a break after 12 episodes. I don't know. It looks like it was run through continuously, but still, it could be two different production blocks. All right. Well, Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at fusionpatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future 
by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.